Get out your Bibles and resist the urge to go to Genesis. Those of you who are new and visiting here, you're like, what is he talking about? Well, we've been in Genesis for like the last 28 years, right, church? And uh, we're not going to be there this morning. We're going to go to the book of 1 Peter this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to mention two things to you before we delve into this text of Scripture this morning. Two things I want to mention to you. One, um, have you noticed that the upper parking lot is literally falling apart in places? Um, Beginning this week, we're going to have some work being done up that way. When I say some work, like total redo of that parking lot. So if you're coming up to the church throughout the week, um, park in the front. Don't go around that side of the building at all. the, the plan is, weather permitting, which like it's good weather for ducks right now, but um, weather permitting, we're going to have some, that's going to begin this week, and it's going to involve a lot of digging up and tearing out and replacing, and so um, for your safety, um, park on this end of the parking lot, come up to the doors, and we can get you in, so just wanted to let you know about that. For Wednesday night, those of you involved in Wednesday night ministry, we'll probably send a text out to you and let you know what we can and cannot do, depending on what is is torn up here or or whatnot. So just pay attention to that. And then I want to mention to you, maybe for yourself or for a loved one who has experienced the loss of a loved one, we're getting to the holiday time, and that is one of the toughest times. And uh, as a part of our Grief Share ministry, on Sunday, November 19th, mark that down, from 3.30 to 5.30, we're going to be offering what is called Grief Share Surviving the Holidays. It's just a one-session thing. It's two hours. It'll be open to the community. It's open to any of you in the church family who want to take part in that. Um, There will be a link that will be um, sent out to you. You can just register online for that. That way um, they can keep track of that, what's going on with that. But I just wanted to make mention of that to you. We'll mention more in the next couple weeks about that as well. So as... Pastor Andy mentioned this morning, this is an important Sunday in the life of our church. Um, By God's grace, we are experiencing numerical growth. This room is packed this morning, and I love it. I love having the kids in here, but we're experiencing numerical growth, but more importantly than that, we're seeing spiritual growth in the lives of people. And with growth comes more people who have needs. How many of you have needs in your life? Some that you do share, some that you don't share. How many of you got them? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying to me right now, right? <laughs> right? Comes more needs. Comes people that have more cares, more concerns. And, and, and we have to be, as, as those who are charged with leading this church, we have to be ready to shepherd the sheep that God has provided. And so we are going to be this morning setting apart another man from within our church to serve as an elder. Over the past months, we've put his name before you. And we have, we have, as elders, examined him. We have, we have met with him several times. We've, we've talked to him about the office of being an elder and what that means. And, and he is willing to do it. He's excited to do it. Um, we have put him before you, as I mentioned before. We've asked you to prayerfully consider him. And, and so this morning, at the end of this service, Dave Rumke is going to be installed as another elder in this church. And so as the elders were meeting... In our regularly meeting, regularly scheduled meeting several weeks ago, we were discussing, we were discussing the preaching calendar, um, which I know is just like what part of Genesis are we going to be in, PD? 
But um, we were discussing the preaching calendar, and we thought this would be a really good time to just take a one-week break and, and focus on some important things and, and from God's Word that relate to elders, that relate to the church. So this is why we've come to 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, just going to read the first four verses this morning. That's more than enough for the time that we have this morning to cover that. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. This is Peter writing to, since we're parachuting in at the end of this book, let me give us some understanding of where we are. This is Peter writing to a group of believers, Jewish believers, who have been scattered out of Jerusalem, okay? They have, they have been on the run now. They're being persecuted for their faith. They, they've had to leave home. They've had to leave friends. They've had to leave all the comforts. Many of them left their livelihood back in Israel, and they have just scattered throughout the surrounding countries. And so he is writing to them, and he's writing to them, I, I look at it this way, as Peter's writing to them, he's writing as a shepherd who cared for these people. They were a part of the church that he was, was a part of being an elder in there in Jerusalem, and he's writing this from a pastoral heart to them. And so he's talking now to men who have been raised up to be their leaders in their churches. And, and, he's, and he's giving these men important instructions. This is, this is like a pastor writing to pastors. And when you think about it, who better to write to a group of pastors but somebody who has been in the ministry, not only as an elder, but also as an apostle, one who was sent out by Jesus to do this, this very work, who is better equipped to write than Peter to these guys? So with that in mind, let's just read the first four verses. So I exalt exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the moments that we have, we want to be faithful to the Word of God. Lord, we don't want to just leave here with head knowledge. We want to leave here this morning with several things in mind. We want to be thankful for what, for what you have in your all-wise counsel have set up in, in, the, in the fact that you have ordained that there would be churches and that there would be leaders in those churches. And Lord, for the leaders in this church, I pray that today would be strong exhortation to our hearts, that, that as we hear these words, we would be sobered by them, that we would be challenged by them, that, that we would, by your grace, rise to, to, to the level that you call us to here. For the sheep of this church, I pray them, for them, Lord, that, that they would willingly follow these men as they are following Christ. It's not just so that we can say we've done it well, but Lord, Lord, there's a lot at stake here. The, the testimony of Christ is at stake in our community. Our ability to grow, our ability to serve one another is found in, in this place, not in this building, but in this place of belonging called the church. And so, Lord, as we, as we talk about this glorious mystery that is the church, I pray that you would guide our thinking this morning, use it to stir our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with just a simple statement. 
And I want to begin with the premise here, and I, and I hope that you agree with this premise. And the premise is that the church is God's plan for this age. The church is God's plan for this age. And, 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 and you see everything in this text, even though he doesn't say, oh, these are the ingredients for a church, you see everything you need to have a church in this text. And, and, and I want to begin there with this. We, we, we have, first and foremost, we have a Savior. Do you see it there in verse 1? We have a Savior. Peter here, as he's writing, he refers back to the witness, of the, he was a witness to the sufferings of Christ, referring back to the fact that, that we don't have a church apart from Jesus Christ. It was Christ who said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 to Peter himself, he said, upon this rock I will build my what? Church. Jesus could have said a lot of things there. And I think there's a lot of things that are being thrown around today, ideas, and they've been thrown around for many years that substitute for the idea of church. I, Jesus could have said this, I'm going to build my, my weekly Bible study on this. I'm going to build my movement on this. I'm going, to build, I'm going to build my following on this. No, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this. And so, as we begin this morning, let's understand something. God's plan for this age is His church. And if it's important to God, it should be important to His children. If the church is important to God, and, and believe me, it's very important to Him, and we're going to see as we, as we unfold this text here, it's so important to Him that, that we get it right that He ordains how it's supposed to be done. So, as we, as we think about that, I also want to mention this. How many of you make plans and you always make backup plans? And then you make backup plans for the backup plans. I was thinking about the, the, the group that's going to meet tonight. The plan was for them to do all these things outside. I hope you guys have a backup plan. Okay? I, ho I hope we got a plan B. See, there's a difference between God and between us. God knows everything, and He, he knows what, what's going to happen. He, he, knows, he knows how it's going to get done because He's ordained that it will get done, and His will will get done. And let's understand something. There is no plan B for this age. The church is His plan. Now, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? That should mean something more than just an amen moment, okay? That should be more than something we tweet out. Oh, PD said this morning, the church is God's plan and there's no plan B. That means that if it's God's plan for this age, we, if we are truly the followers of Christ, better plug into his plan. Now, that's where that applies to you and to me. We better plug into his plan. You say, well, that's really weird that you would say that. We're all sitting here in church this morning. I want to tell you something. This is a very small part of what God designs for the local church to be. This is just one day a week. Now, is this important? Absolutely, this is important. But this is not the sum total of what he's designed for the church to be throughout the week. And if you think that by showing up here on Sunday morning that you have done your church thing and that you have honored the Lord and that you're good for the rest of the week, I'm sorry, friend, you are sorely mistaken. You see, the church doesn't cease to be at, Monday, or at Sunday at 1230 when you walk out the door. 
And then, and then magically, if you walk back in on Wednesday, oh, the church is back in my life. No, the church continues to exist. In fact, it's existed before you and I were on this earth, and it will continue to exist by God's grace. And so when I talk about being plugged in, I'm not plugging for more nursery workers. I'm not plugging for more people to move chairs or do that. What I'm plugging for is that you would be committed to a body of believers whereby you can carry out the one another's of Scripture. And I do mean committed. If God's plan is the church, then it's just logical to say this, that it's God's plan that you would be a growing and vital part, committed part of a local fellowship of believers. Some of you in this place this morning are visiting and, and you're new and maybe you're searching for a place to plug in. I commend you. There is nothing harder in the world than trying to find a new church home. You ever been there? It's not easy. Let me just go on record and tell you this. You're not in a perfect church based on the fact of who's standing in front of you, okay? You're not in a perfect church. But some of you have been attending here a long time, and you have yet to make a commitment to join a church. Can I say to you, it's God's plan that you would commit to a local fellowship of believers. I'll just leave that there and let the Spirit do His work with that. Maybe you're saying, you don't know how we've been hurt in other churches. I got news for you. If you join a church, look up here. If you join a church, you're going to get hurt in that church. You want to know why? Because churches are full of sinful people who are growing in Christ, and they're not going to always get it right. How many of you would be willing to be brave enough and say, yes, I've been hurt in church? Does that mean that God just doesn't want us to do it? No. God intends for even those hurts to be used for His glory and good in our lives. And it's in the community of believers where we practice those one another's. And boy, we had a lot of one another's to practice this week as a church. Did you realize that? I'm like, like pray for one another, be hospitable to one another, uh, you know, weep with those who are weeping, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I want to tell you, I am exhausted this week. Baby shower at the beginning of the week, funeral, wedding, uh, I'm afraid to even know what's coming right after the service. But it's in, the, it's in the fellowship of believers where we find our community. It's in the fellowship of believers where, where we find our place to serve one another. And so if God's plan is for the church, then it's God's plan that we would be a growing, vital part of local churches. Now, as we move into this text, we, we have... We have a shepherd who's leading, and we have under-shepherds who are, who are representing him, and we have a flock. We have everything we need for a church in God's eyes here. The main thrust of what I want to say this morning, though, is in, in, in the bulk of where I want to spend my time in light of what we're doing this morning is, how is it that elders are to function? And I think that's important for you. You say, why didn't you just gather the elders and gather Rumkey with them and just preach to them, Pastor Dan? 
Because I think it's important for you, especially if you're a member of this church, to know what God expects of the leaders of this church. Why? For a couple reasons. One, hopefully you're praying for the leaders of your church. Hopefully you're praying hard for them. Hopefully you, you are encouraging them. And hopefully too, yes, that you are holding them accountable. Now, there's a function amongst elders that we're going to see in the scriptures where they're to hold themselves accountable, but you as a member of a church, you have a duty also to be holding those who are leading you accountable. You've got to excuse me for a second. This thing up here is just like going... <laughs> driving me crazy. Every time I look down, my notes are somewhere else, and that thing is sliding everywhere. I'm sorry. <sighs> Back up, yeah. But as with any institution that God has ordained, and there are several that He's ordained. Early in the book of Genesis, what did He ordain, church? He ordained the family, did He not? When God ordained the family, did He ordain how it would run? He did. And, and much of what we see in our world today, and don't, I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail, but much of what we see today in our world where things are not going right is because people are not functioning within the divine order that God has created in the family. God created government. He, he, he gave man the authority to form government. And in doing so, did God ordain how government would be led? Yeah, he did. He ordained how it should be done. Much of the problem in the world today is because what? Man doesn't do it God's way. And so God also now has instituted the church. And just like anything else that God has instituted, he has a plan for it. Now, you and I may not like God's plan. It doesn't matter to God, and it doesn't matter whether or not. That's not why we choose to do what we do. We do what we do because God asks us to do it and commands us to do it. And so God's plan for the church is just like husband would be the head and children would obey parents and family, and that God would raise up and set down leaders, and that, and that citizens would follow their, their leaders as they're, as they're doing righteous acts. The goal for the church is that it's going to be led by elders. Do you see it there? He says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, and he says this, shepherd the flock of God, verse 2. What's interesting here is, is that, is that Peter's writing from experience, and Peter's writing from knowledge here. Peter knows some things that have been going on that maybe I want to remind you of. In fact, keep your finger here and go with me to Acts chapter 14, because by the time we get to Acts chapter 14, in the beginning of the church, church age, in Acts chapter 14, Peter is still in Jerusalem, and he's dealing with the church in Jerusalem, but the church of Jerusalem is sending out men to go plant churches in other places. And some of the men that they sent out were Paul and Barnabas. And when Paul and Barnabas went out, I want you to see what their pattern was. Look at verse 23. So, so they're in Lystra, and, and in verse 23 it says, that, well, let's back up a little bit. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, disciples are simply what, church? What are disciples? Followers of Jesus, right? These are people who have had their lives transformed by the gospel. Is that your testimony this morning? Whether or not you consider yourself that, you're a disciple. 
Okay, so they, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The very beginning of the church age begins with churches being planted in local communities where there's local groups of people. The idea of church being those who are called out to assemble together, those who are called out by God to, to, to be different from those around them. And the, and the plan is, is that they would be led by elders. You say, why elders, not elder? Because I think you would agree with me, anytime there's one man in charge of anything, you got a problem. You got a problem. Anytime you got one man who's running the show, you, you, you have a problem for that man to become an egomaniac or that man to abuse the authority either by not using it or by lording it over others. And you have the danger for a lot of air. You say, well, that's only one passage, Pastor Dan. Okay, keep your finger in First Peter and go with me to the book of Titus. Because Paul, who was the master church planner by God's grace, this was his habit, not just with his first missionary journey with Barnabas, but, but it was also his habit wherever he went. And when we go to Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, we see this. He says this to Titus, and he's writing to Titus, and you're going to find out what he's doing here in verse 5. And what he's doing is, he said, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint Singular elder or elders plural? Where at? In every town. Group of men. Group of men who you identify prayerfully and you put them in charge of these churches. Okay? That's the plan. That's the plan. And so God has ordained authority. Okay? Now, what's interesting, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. In your New Testament, you will see the word for the guys who lead a church in three different forms. And all three of those forms are found in this text here. You'll, you'll find when you're reading through your New Testament, you'll find the term pastor, right? Depending on what version of the Bible you read, you'll find the word bishop or overseer, and you'll also find the word elder, and you'd be like, wait a minute, are those three distinct offices that God has raised up? And in our church, who's the pastor, who's the elder, who's the bishop? Those three words are used to describe one office. Those three words are used to describe one office. And I want to point out to you in this text where all three are used, and, and they're used in different forms. Some are used in verb form, some are in the noun form. You see in verse 1 the word elder the word elder. That word elder emphasizes the idea of maturity. And you say, and you look at me, you're like, how is it then that you can be in this church, Pastor Dan? <laughs> yes, I admit, I act like a five-year-old at times. The idea is spiritual maturity. It's spiritual maturity. And so, 
we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6 where Paul gives to Timothy the qualifications. He says, one of the things he says about a man who would serve in this office is he can't be a recent convert. He can't be a novice. There has to be some spiritual maturity about him. He has to have been tested. He has to have had some experience. He has to grow in the ministry. He has to understand it because whether or not you understand it or realize it, it's really easy to just be swayed in the ministry. So you need a man who's mature. You need men who are mature. The second word that he uses that refers to the same office you find in verse 2, and it's found in the verb form where it says, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Literally, that could be translated into English, pastor the flock of God. That's where we get our word pastor. And this isn't the only place we find it. In fact, if you go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, you will see the word used there. In Ephesians chapter 4. As Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up of the body of Christ. That word pastor or shepherd, that, that idea connotates the idea of how a man is to care for the flock. Now, caring in the way that you and I think of caring, being there whenever you're, you're going through trouble, but caring in other ways too, by feeding the flock, by knowing the flock, by protecting the flock. And I would note for you this. He doesn't shepherd out on his own, because if we continue in 1 Peter chapter 5, he is shepherding under the authority of who in verse 4? The chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And, and Peter's quick to remind, that, remind the men that he's writing this to, because, because here's the thing. Any man, put myself at the top of the list, can get into a position of authority and think to themselves, I can do this better than the master plan. Right? I know better. Well, there's a built-in fail-safe here if the elders will just plug into that. Just keep following the chief shepherd in verse 4. Just keep following the chief shepherd. Take, take your cues from Christ. Just keep following Christ. That's why Paul would say, whenever he was writing to the church in Corinth, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. We'll talk about the example part of that in just a little bit. But there's another word here too that comes into play in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 5. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That word, oversight, in, in, in a noun form would be overseer, in a different form, overseer, and, and those three words then come into play. That's where we get our word bishop or overseer, and, and so when you take that, you have a much better, robust understanding of what the office of elder is. It's a mature man who is to be responsible for the care of a flock of a specific group of believers that he's been put in charge of, and he's not only to just care for them, he's to oversee them. That's a lot. 
Because what else is implied here, when you look at verse 4, is that he's doing this under the watchful eye of the chief shepherd who will evaluate him. So for Dan, for Andy, for Aaron, for Paul, and now for Dave, The, the, the chief temptation that we're going to face is to lead you in a way that makes you happy. Is that the way we should lead? No, we do this for an audience of one, for the chief shepherd. Now, does that mean that we don't care about what you think or what you need or what you want? No. We do care. But ultimately... We have to care more about what God wants, what God's plan is, what God's design is. And notice there's three things. And as you pray for your shepherds, your elders, I would submit to you, this is, this, this is a really good form, formula for how you pray for them. There's three things that elders specifically, Peter charges them with here. Notice, first of all, he says, shepherd the flock in verse 2. Shepherd it, feed it, protect it, know it, tend it. Notice there's not, there's not office hours put on that either. How many of you have your problems typically in your day in the normal business hours of 8 to 5? It happens any time, doesn't it? And so elders... Pastors, shepherds need to be available to their flock no matter what time it is. There's, there's, no, there's no time when an elder punches out and says, I'm not shepherding right now. So the first command is to shepherd the flock. The second command is found there in verse 2, exercise oversight. That, that the idea there is to be responsible for it. Be responsible for it. That, that, that is a lofty, high charge. And to do this, to do this well, and this is how I would beg of you to pray for your elders, the only way to do this well is, is if the elder is first watching over his own soul. Because if he's not watching over his own soul, he can't watch over your souls too. Now some of you think that idea of watching over souls is, is that we're like following you around with a clipboard and like, yep, screwed up again. No, watching over your souls is praying for you. It's, it's being available to counsel you. It, it's, it's being available to you. It, it's, it's if we see or don't see you very often, it's reaching out to you and saying, is everything okay? How can I pray for you? That's the responsibility of the elder. But there's a third responsibility too, and you see it there in verse 3 at the end. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to your flock. I already referenced 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, where Paul said, be imitators of me as I'm imitating Christ. One, one, of, the, one of the big responsibilities of an elder is, is to represent Christ to the sheep. a lot to live up to. But I want to point out to you that, that Peter gives three warnings here too. 
He gives three warnings, and, and these, are, these are specifically designed to elders because Peter himself was an elder. It's also inspired by the Holy Spirit. God knows where elders are going to mess up. I mean, just think about it. If he designed churches and he ordained that elders would be in charge of them, do you think God knows where elders are going to mess up? And so the first thing that he says, look with me at verse 2. He says, exercise oversight, but not under compulsion, but willingly as God would, would have you. You say, what all does that mean there? Well, basically, let's just put it in common everyday language. He's telling elders, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. When he says not under compulsion, that idea is, is the idea, of, and, and, and many of you experience this every Monday morning when you get up, when the alarm clock goes off. I don't want to go to work, but I, what? I, I have bills. And God gave me all these kids. And I've got to feed them, right? Can I just tell you something about this elder's heart? I can't speak for the other guys. It is a big temptation that I face to, to just come into the office or to make a phone call or to talk to you and sometimes have to battle this. Am I doing this because I have to or because I really want to? And so when you pray, you pray for these warnings too. It, it's not wrong. In fact, I think every one of the five elders of this church would welcome this, that if you would pray for us to say, hey, Lord, I pray today that PD won't be a lazy rear end. Right? Because the temptation's there. The second temptation there is, is to use the office for gain. Do you see it there at the end of verse 2? Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Let me just tell you this. There should only be one motivation for doing this, and that is the call of God on a man's life. And if money or gain or something that you can get out of this is your motivation for doing it, it is going to leave you empty every time. So pray for your elders that they won't do it for any other reason but for the fact that God's called them to it. The third warning that Peter gives is found down in verse 3. Not domineering over those in your charge. And, and this is, I would just put this way, don't abuse the authority that God's given to you. Don't abuse the authority that God's given to you. In fact, adopt a Christ mentality. Go with me to Matthew chapter 20, because I can't say it any better than Jesus did. Matthew chapter 20. I love it when I look out and I see you guys turn your Bibles. It means that you're at least trying to pay attention. Matthew chapter 20. This is right after, right after the mother of James and John comes before the Lord and says, hey, if it would be, a, you know, Jesus, if it at all possible, could you put James on your right hand and, J and John on your left hand whenever the kingdom comes? <laughs> okay, just the audaciousness of that request. And here's how Jesus responds, because the other, the, other ten, the other ten disciples heard it, and according to verse 24, they're, they're red hot, okay? 
Jesus says this to them, but Jesus called them, verse 25, to him, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to pray for the elders of this church, pray that they would always be servants. Pray that they would always be servants. But Peter is good. God is good to give motivation here. You see it in verse 4? The motivation is this. <laughs> hey, if you do this well, I will reward you. I will reward you. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I don't know about you, but... but that seems pretty good to me. And so, men who are elders in this church, let's just count it as a given. We're not going to make everybody happy. But let's make the one who's called us into this happy so that one day we can receive that unfading crown of glory. But before I leave this, I want to talk about, we talked about God's plan for the, is the church, that God's plan is to have elders over the church. What does that mean to you as the flock? What does that mean to you as the flock? Well, if there are leaders, it implies that there must be what? Right? If there are leaders, it implies there must be followers. What are those followers to do? Well, I want to just look at a couple verses of Scripture here real quickly. I don't have time to unpack them completely, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 first. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Be respectful to them, you could also put in there. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The first thing that God calls you to do as a sheep, as, as, as a part of a flock is, is to submit to their leadership. Now, every woman that's married in this room knows that it's not always easy to respect the person that God has put over them. And sometimes you have to do it, wives, because God told you to, right? It's the same thing with being in a church. You don't obey and submit to your leaders because you agree with everything that they say. You do it because God calls you to do it. Because you do it because it's what's good for you. And so men who are leading, it's really important that we get it right in our leadership because these people are called to follow us. Elders, do this for me. Elder to be, look around this room. Just do it. Do it right now. Look around this room. God's telling them to follow us. Let's not lead, lead them right over the cliff. Let's lead them to Christ. They're called to follow, but not only are you called to follow, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We looked at this once before, but I want to just bring it to bear here again. Ephesians chapter 4. 
So why this plan for local churches and leaders in local churches? And and what's the whole end game of this, PD, just so that we can play church until Jesus comes? No. No. This is not the end game just to play church. That's why Sunday is very important, but it is not the be-all, (laughs) end-all. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for what? Saints, what are you being equipped for? You're being equipped to do a dirty four-letter word. What is it? Work. That's a great system. The elders sit in their offices, feed up all day, eat bonbons, you do the work. No, that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here, though, is is that every elder's occupation ought to be training up people who will do the work of the ministry. And when you look around this room, there's a variety of ministries and there's a variety of gifts and talents that you've been given to go out and do. And one of the chief functions of the elder is, is to make sure that you're equipped to do what God's called you to do. And we do this in a variety of ways. We do it every Sunday morning when you open the Word. We do it on Sunday mornings when we open, when we open in the Bible in our ABFs and we teach. We do this whenever you sit across from us at a table at a restaurant or in your living room or in my office and we give you counsel. There's a variety of ways that we do this, but make no mistake, if we are going to be doing it right, we better be doing it on the authority of this book right here. Let me just give you a promise. If you ever come to my office, and if you come to Pastor Andy's office and you tell me this happened, I'll hit him. But if you didn't get counsel out of this book, then you have my permission to immediately revoke your membership and go. If you talk to an elder and you say, hey, I need some advice on this, and he quotes something you from the last Oprah show that he watched, run. Run fast. Scream over your shoulder, I'm out of here. Because there is no authority other than the authority found in God's word. So you're called to do the work of ministry. And what's the work of ministry? It's making disciples. It's making other followers of Jesus. That's the work that you've been called to. That's the work that we're equipping you to do. That's the work that hopefully we're modeling for you to do by being an example to you. But if you continue on in this text, you have another thing too that you're called to do. Verse 13, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Not only are you called to work, but you're called to grow. And elders are responsible in the way that God has set it up to help you grow. So, to the elders, I want to read to us. And in fact, I invite the church just to turn with me to Acts chapter 20. I can't give a clearer charge than what Paul gave to the Ephesian elders when he was coming through Ephesus. In Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Stop there. Dan, Andy, Paul, Aaron, and Dave. 
Examine your hearts daily with the Word of God. Study it. Love it. Live it. Pay attention to yourself first. And then he continues on. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Secondly, Dan, Andy, Paul, Aaron, and Dave. Pay attention to this flock. It's a precious flock. Know them. Serve them. Feed them. Love them. Protect them. Correct them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Watch over them. And do it humbly. Do it humbly because notice what he says here. You've been made overseers to care for the church of God. Can I tell you a pet peeve? Somebody's going to do it to me just to get me riled up after the service. Can I tell you what I hate? I hate when people, especially people who are members of this church, come up to me and say, you know in your church, whose church is this church? It's Christ's church. Who bought this church? Christ did. If you want to use a pronoun in front of that, you can use either his church or you can use our church. Don't call it my church. My name ain't on the sign. It's our corporate name on the sign. It says Christ's church. It's a good thing because if it's my church, it's going to fail, but his church will prevail. Not even the gates of hell are going to stop it. So, elders, that's a high charge. Church, the New Testament is clear. Be a connected, committed, covenanted part of a local church. Say, PD, it sounds like you're talking about church membership. Well, that's what we call it here. Commit to a body of believers. Don't just date the church. Marry a church. Marry a church. And understand this, there's no perfect churches because there's no perfect leaders, but there is one perfect Savior. And go to a place that points you to that perfect Savior week after week after week after week. Be involved in that ministry. Be growing. Follow its leaders. And do it all for the glory of God. Father, if this was man's plan, it would have so many organizational charts. It would have, it would have so, many, so many rules in it. It would have just stuff that we just couldn't even begin to even understand. But your plan is fairly straightforward. It's fairly simple. So I pray for the elders of this church, myself at the top of that list. May we shepherd well. May we, may we take care of our own souls. Spirit, I pray that, that we would, would fall in love with the Word of God. I pray that we would fall in love with the people of this church. And I pray for the precious sheep of this church. May they find us to be faithful leaders and may they joyfully follow, I pray. And when we're not being faithful, may they have the courage to say, wait a minute, what's going on here, I pray. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your plan. What, a, what an incredible thing it is that we are counted worthy to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.